0: Okay, welcome, welcome, welcome. Session number five. We're at the halfway point, and it looks like most of you are hanging here, hanging in here with us uh, during these 10 sessions, and I thank you for that. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the advance notice so that uh, we would not be caught off guard. We would not be like a—you would not be like a thief in the night to us, for you have told us in advance that which you plan to do. And you've given us your Holy Spirit to reveal the truth, show us that which is to come, give us peace in the times of great adversity. So tonight I ask you to open our minds to understand the Scripture because we're seeking to know you, you personally. In Jesus' name, amen. It was a Wednesday. It was a Wednesday in Jerusalem. And Jesus gathers his closest people, not a big crowd, looks like it's maybe only the twelve people. And he takes them up to the Mount of Olives, the place that he will eventually uh, rise from to ascend to the right hand of the Father. And while he is there on the Mount of Olives, on a Wednesday before he will die on Friday, he takes this inner group of people and does what the Bible calls the Olivet Discourse. It's recorded in two places, Matthew and Luke. And it basically outlines Jesus' description of the events that precede the return of Christ. When you get to the end of the Olivet Discourse, you find Luke 21, the Scripture that I have used to frame every session. And I will continue to frame every session, all 10, around this Scripture. Because this Scripture in the, is in the context of His description of His return. The setting of the world, what what will it be like? And Jesus says, heaven and earth will disappear. He's announcing a future event. The current heaven and the the current sky, atmosphere around the earth, they're going to one day be gone. They're going to be gone. But my words will never disappear. Watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and the worries of this life for that day will come don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap for that day will come upon everyone living upon the earth but then pray and I think this is sometimes we overcomplicate the scripture so just do what he says pray that you'd be strong enough to escape these coming horrors and stand before the son of man now in almost every session I've tried to make a point I believe that That is a direct reference to the tribulation. But in reality, there's an event following the tribulation that's way worse than the tribulation. So the tribulation lasts seven years. That which follows the tribulation, the hail, is eternal. Pray that you'd be strong enough to escape the horror of either or both. So last week, as Jesus opened up the seventh seal, There were seven angels carrying seven trumpets. It's not over. In fact, it's about to get worse. The seven trumpets. That's where we start tonight. Remember, Jesus started all this when God the Father handed him the scroll that was sealed with seven seals. Jesus was the only one worthy in heaven or on earth or under the earth. He was the only one. Nobody in the Old Testament, Moses, Abraham... Peter, Andrew, nobody in heaven, Michael, Gabriel, nobody. Nobody can open the scroll. He's the only one worthy to open the scroll, which is God's plan to redeem, to take back the title deed of the earth, to take back the control of mankind away from this serpent who reared his ugly head in the garden. You got to get it back from him. That's why Jesus, listen, let me start this because this kind of frames this tonight. So Jesus takes this scroll and, and basically God's announcing there is one who is worthy to take back that which was taken away from Satan. Because he took it away from the first Adam, the last Adam will now receive it. That's why Jesus will reign on this present earth for a thousand years. After the tribulation. Why? Because the king needs a kingdom. And the kingdom's on this earth. And that which Adam lost was of this earth, and that which Jesus gained is on this earth. So the idea that you struggle with a thousand-year millennial kingdom, then you don't understand the whole idea of him handing in the scroll, is that he's handing him the authority of that which the first Adam lost, dominion of the earth. The last 1,000 years before the new heaven and the new earth will be a dominion, a kingdom of Christ. He's going to reign on this earth, this earth, with absolute authority and power. The king will have a kingdom. You've been praying it your whole life, and most of you don't know it. May your kingdom come, and may your will be done where? On earth, as it is in heaven. Come down here and take over. That's what you've been praying. Many of you didn't even know it. Come down here and take over. Come down here, take the scroll, run Satan off and take over. Well, that's how it's going to end. So, the first angel, we've left the seven seals, okay? Seven seals on the scroll. But now we've got seven angels and seven trumpets. The first angel and the first trumpet. Revelation 8 verse 6. And then the seven angels, with the seven trumpets, prepared to blow their mighty blasts. The first angel blew his trumpet, and hail and fire, mixed with blood, hail, fire, blood, were thrown down to the earth. One-third of the earth was set on fire. One-third of the trees were burned. And all the grass was burned. Hail and fire mixed with blood. And it's difficult in your imagination to put those elements together. So I want to help you here by using the Old Testament. I noticed that the the trumpet judgments, there's seven of them, that the trumpet judgment of God are either used or revealed prophetically In the Old Testament. So, many of what we are about to see in the seven trumpets, you saw in some form in the Old Testament judgments of God. And and let me just give you an example. God used this type of judgment in the time of Moses in Egypt. It's a very similar kind of a judgment. So, let's go back to Exodus and see if you can draw this similarity between the, the judgment of God in the Exodus when, when God's drawing out Israel out of Egypt, and this first of the seven trumpets. Then the Lord said to Moses, lift your hand toward the sky so hail may fall on the people, the livestock and all the plants. You see, it's, it's, this, it's, it's having the same kind of effect. Hail is going to come out of the sky. People, livestock, plants throughout the land of Egypt. So Moses lifted his staff toward the sky and the Lord sent thunder and hail and lightning flashed toward the earth. The Lord sent a tremendous hailstorm. Against the land of Egypt, never in all the history of Egypt has there been such a storm like that with such devastating hail and continuous lightning it left all it left all the Egypt in ruins. the hail struck down everything in the open field, people, animals, plants alike. even the trees were destroyed. The only place without hail was the region of Goshen where the people of Israel live now. It left Egypt in ruins, but notice, even as bad as it was, it was localized. It wasn't around the world that this happened. It only happened in God's described circle inside of Egypt. It was a, a localized judgment of God. Goshen is where Israel lived, and Israel escaped the storm. It didn't hail there. Isn't it interesting? That even if, this is, if the tribulation um, is comparative to this, there will be a place for the people of God to escape the judgment. He's, he's protected Goshen from the hailstorm. The first trumpet will be worldwide. So when this angel blows this first trumpet, it is a worldwide and listen, one third of the Earth was set on fire by this tribulation storm. Do I think that's literal? Yes, I think that's literal. Most of you are aware of the Ezekiel 38 39 Gog Magog war that is prophesied that is coming one day. There's much debate about the timing of the Gog Magog war. At the beginning of is does it come at the beginning of the tribulation? And if you want to know the Gog-Magog War, it pretty much will have uh, a group of—Russia uh, will lead a group of Muslim nations, and basically we're talking about Russia, Iran, Turkey, Syria, Lebanon. There's going to be some more in there, and they're going to lead an invasion into Israel. It's, it's recorded in Ezekiel 38 and 39. So why do I bring that up? The same reason I bring up the Exodus— coming out of Egypt, and hailstorms. Is there a connection between Gog and Magog War, and this first trumpet from the first angel? So let's read that. Because there's something in here that I want to show you tonight. Ezekiel 38, 14, therefore, son of man, prophesy against Gog. Give him this message from the sovereign Lord. When my people are living in peace in the land—by the way, notice something. That prophecy could have never been fulfilled before 1948. So you're living in a day that could, this could be fulfilled. Because when my people are living in peace in the land, well, before 1948, they weren't. Then you will rouse yourself. You will come from the homeland, from your homeland in the distant north, with your vast cavalry and your mighty army. This message would be specifically to the leader nation. I believe that to be Russia. And you will attack my people Israel, covering their land like a cloud. At that time, in the distant future, Ezekiel writes this prophecy about uh, 500 years before Christ. At that time, in the distant future, what, 2,500 years in the future we are, I will bring you against my land as everyone watches. And my holiness will be displayed by what happens to you, Gog. Then all the nations will know from that event, I am the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord asks. Are you the one I was talking about long ago when I announced through Israel's prophets that the future, the future in the future I would bring you against my people? But this is what the sovereign Lord says: When Gog invades the land of Israel, my Fury will boil over. In my jealousy and blazing anger, I promise a mighty shaking in the land of Israel on that day. All living things. So when this war takes place in the distant future, Ezekiel says, a mighty shaking will happen. But that mighty shaking is going to reveal, it's going to reveal, but this is what the sovereign, he says, I'm going to reveal myself in the midst of the shaking. In fact that's one of the purposes. It says everyone will know that I alone am the Lord. He says this All living things, the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the animals in the fields, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and all the people on the earth will quake in terror of my presence. So push pause. Is this is this possibly? And I say possibly The trumpet judgments in the tribulation? Mountains will be thrown down, and I'm going to get to that in a minute, one of the future judgments, one of the future trumpets. Mountains will be thrown down, cliffs will crumble, walls will fall on the earth. I will summon the sword against you on the hill of Israel. Hills of Israel, says the sovereign Lord. Your men will turn their swords against each other. Gog, Russia. I will punish you and your armies with disease and bloodshed. Does that sound like the tribulation? I will send torrential rain, hailstones, fire, burning sulfur. Does it sound like it could happen in the tribulation? In this way, I will show my greatness and holiness, and I will make myself known to all the nations of the world. In All the world will see what's happening. He says, everyone will see this. I will make myself known to all the nations of the world, and then they will know that I am the Lord. Now, if you read Ezekiel 38 and 39, one thing becomes clear. Why are they coming? We said, I'm going to put a hook in your jaw and drag you down there. But why are they coming? They're coming for plunder. Israel will have something during the tribulation that these nations won't. And if you need something in current modern history, modern, uh, not history, modern stories to tell you what that might be, what just happened in Europe just, what, a couple weeks ago? This pipeline that feeds natural gas into Europe has been blown up, and everybody's blaming each other. They don't know why, who blew it up, but it's, that's the gas that's going to supply Europe, the continent of Europe. Uh, heating and factories are going to run on that this winter. And, and that thing's been blown up. So what does that have to do with this story? Do you know where the largest oil and gas find? in the world recently occurred in Israel. <gasps> what a coincidence. <laughs> and you think they don't know that? You know, it's coming for plunder. So the world stage is going to get, with all this green stuff, they're going to get hungry when they get cold. And when they get cold, they're going to look for something to get them warm. And, and that gas, that oil. It's going to become plunder. There's a second thing. You know, um, there's a lot that that land has. Um, I just found out recently, I did a study recently that the Dead Sea, you know, you think the Dead Sea, I've been there a couple times and, you know, it's kind of nasty water. You get out in it and it makes your skin feel all weird and uh, I don't know. But you know what? It's estimated that the value of the chemicals in the Dead Sea are greater than the... Gross domestic product of most of the nations on the earth. That Dead Sea is a gold mine. It's got minerals in there you can't find anywhere in the world in those measures. And if that's not enough to tell you why, need, why, why do they want to come down to this little sliver of land. Here's the last one. If you take a globe, and by the way I did this today. I've got a globe in my office and just pull it up and look at Israel. Do you understand that little sliver of land is a land bridge? that connects three continents. It is the only way to connect three continents. Europe, Asia, and Africa. Get your map. We're all connected by a little piece of land, what, 75 miles wide, called Israel. If you want to rule the world, you need to rule that piece of land. So, can you understand? Is this the same event as the first trumpet Or is it just localized? No one knows for sure. But God will use this terrible hail firestorm to reveal His power and His holiness to the world. Now, the prophet Joel—so I went back to Exodus, and now I've gone to Ezekiel, Gog, Magog. The prophet Joel also reveals this type of storm coming in the future in his prophecy. So let's read Joel's. Joel 2, 28. Then, after doing all these things, I will pour out my Spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. In those days, in those days, I will pour out my Spirit even on servants, men and women alike. And I will cause wonders in the heavens. So something's going to happen up there. And on the earth. And what's the wonders? What will they look like? blood. Fire, columns of smoke. If we go through these trumpets, I want you to notice the parallels. The sun will become dark. It's one of the trumpets. The moon will turn blood red before the great and terrible day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For some on Mount Zion in Jerusalem will escape, just as the Lord has said. These will be among the survivors. Whom the Lord has called the time of Jacob's trouble, the tribulation. Do you recognize that scripture? If you know anything about the New Testament, do you all recognize that scripture from the prophet Joel? I hope you do. It's the prophecy that Peter quoted on the day of Pentecost when the church was born. He said, and the prophet Joel said this was going to happen. He quotes the same scripture. Can you see how the word points toward the final prophetic events? When the trumpet blasts, the first trumpet has left, it's passed. One-third. So the first trumpet, what happens? One-third of the earth is set on fire. One-third of the trees are burning. All the grass is burned. Here comes the second trumpet from the second angel. Verse 8, then the second angel blew his trumpet, and a great mountain of fire. A great mountain of fire was thrown into the sea. One-third of the water in the sea became what? Blood. One-third of all things living in the sea died. And one-third of all the ships on the sea were destroyed. One-third of the earth, its trees are on fire And all the grass has been burned up and now one-third of the water in the sea has become polluted. And this is just two trumpets. One-third of the living creatures in the sea are now dead. So I'll ask you, what happens to the food supply? Do you like fish? One-third of the ships that travel on the sea are destroyed. What happens to commerce? Do you see? A great mountain of fire was thrown into the sea, which actually started this chain of events. Did the great mountain fall out of heaven, or was it picked up from the earth and thrown down from the earth itself? Can you see the similarity of this second trumpet judgment to that of Moses in Egypt? So let's go back to Exodus again. So this is what the Lord says, Exodus 7:17. 7, I will show you that I am the Lord. Look, I will strike the water of the Nile with the staff of my hand, and the river will turn to blood. The fish in it will die and the river will stink. The Egyptians will not be able to drink any water from the Nile. Polluted water causes death. Can you see it? Death is everywhere. And these first two trumpets, then it comes suddenly, then it comes without warning during the tribulation. One-third of the earth's trees, let's summarize, one-third of the earth's trees are on fire, all the grass has been burned up. What about oxygen? What about oxygen? What about the smoke that would come from one-third of the earth on fire? What would it be like? One-third of the water in the ocean is polluted, fish are destroyed, food and water are destroyed. One-third times three would be three-thirds, which means everything's gone. But if you'll notice, it's not the one-third of the same thing. It's one-third of different things. So there is still some things left, at least for now. Here comes the third angel, the third trumpet. Verse 10, then a third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star from, fell from the sky burning like a torch. It fell on one-third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star was bitterness. One translation calls it wormwood. But the essence of the star is it causes poisonous. It poisons water. It's called bitterness. It made one-third of the water bitter, and many people died from drinking the bitter, poisoned water. Bitterness, wormwood, its poison is deadly. Where'd it come from? This one fell out of the sky. If the second trumpet only affected the salt waters, did you notice that? It fell into the sea. This third trumpet will poison the fresh water, not the salt water. Many people will die from drinking this poisoned, bitter, wormwood water. Notice that this great star from the sky will poison the underground springs of water as well. Why all this death and destruction? And this is important. You, just, you can just keep reading all these events and you, why? Why specifically these things? The people of the earth have refused to worship the creator of all of these things. Many of the earth people are worshiping the things, but they refuse to worship the creator of the things. Sound familiar? The green movement of today? Many people today, you read it every day, that uh, I read this politician just said this week, the greatest threat to humanity is this um, global warming. He has no clue. The greatest threat to humanity is global warming. We got nations poised with nuclear weapons. it get warm when they pull the trigger, but I don't think that's what he's talking about. So, I want you to notice as we move forward that there's a reason why it's the created things. It's it's because if you won't acknowledge the creator, he'll take away the created things until all you have left is the Creator. He'll take away the gods so that all you'll have left is one God. And then the world will know that I alone am He. By the time we get to Revelation 14, now let's jump from 8 to 14 just for a moment. The angels are announcing the reason to worship God, the Creator. So that you understand why these specific, why the water? Why the trees? Why why are these things that look around? It's, you know, people worship this stuff. The same people that worship this stuff will not worship God who made this stuff. They refuse. So let's go to verse, let's go to, uh, let's fast forward to Revelation 14. And I saw another angel flying through the sky carrying the eternal good news to proclaim to the people who belong to the world. Eternal good news, but this is for the people who belong to the world. To every nation, tribe, language, and people. And what's the message? Fear God. What? What's the message? What's the eternal message to the people of the world? Fear God, he shouted. Give glory to him. For the time has come when he will sit and judge. Worship him. And notice how specific it is in light of all this destruction. Worship him who made the heavens. The earth, the sea, and the springs of water. Every one of those things that are disappearing in front of your eyes, worship the one who put them there. There's a context to this particular event. Worship the one who created them. Worship the creator of heaven, earth, sea, and springs of water. All the things that are being destroyed in the tribulation because they refuse to worship the creator and give him glory. Don't forget, God is going to use all of this It's easy to get into the middle of the tribulation and forget one thing. He's doing every bit of it to redeem Israel. He's doing it to bring, to open their eyes, to bring them to where there's nothing left. And when there's nothing left, you hear people say, when you get all the way to the bottom there's nowhere to look but up, well, they're going to get all the way to the bottom to where there's nothing, nowhere else to look but up. He's going to redeem Israel. To bring them through the fiery tribulation. We read this maybe a couple weeks ago. The purpose of the tribulation, or one of the details. Let's go to Zechariah 13.8. Two-thirds of the people in Israel, two-thirds of the people in the land will be cut off and die. (laughs) There's a lot of thirds going on in this, isn't it? Two-thirds of the people in the land will be cut off and die, says the Lord. But one-third will be left in the land. What's the one-third? Some of the translations, if you get into it, uh, we'll start calling this, this the remnant. The remnant. It'll be the, the remaining piece. One-third will be left in the land, the remnant. And what's he going to do with that? Listen, verse 9. I will bring that group through the fire, through the tribulation. And I will make them pure. And I will refine them like silver. And I will purify them like gold. And they will call on my name. And I will answer them. And I will say, These are my people. And they will say, The Lord is our God. That's a hard way to come to knowledge of God. Two thirds of them are dead. One-third of the trees, so let's do a summary before we get to this fourth angel. One-third of the earth's trees, one-third of the earth, one-third of the trees are on fire, all the grass has been burned up, and now one-third of the water in the sea has become polluted. One-third of the sea, and now all the, fre- the fresh water and springs of water are polluted, and they're poisoned. So here comes the fourth trumpet. Before I read it, this angel brings a word that I, I have no comprehension. Of the literal meaning of this word. Because it is bigger than my mind can comprehend. Because if you put this fourth trumpet in the context of the first tree, I can't grasp it. It is unspeakable terror is coming. Revelation 8:12. The fourth angel blew his trumpet. One-third of the sun was struck. One-third of the moon one-third of the stars, and they became dark, and one-third of the day was dark, and one third, also one-third of the night, and then I looked, here it comes, and I heard a single eagle crying loudly as it flew through the air, terror, terror, terror to all who belong to this world, because of what will happen. When the last three angels blow their trumpets, when angel 5, 6, and 7 come, it is unspeakable. Now, the reason I say it makes such a big deal out of that, everything I've read so far is unspeakable. I mean, everything that you and I know of civilization is on fire. And there's something worse coming. Trumpet 5? Six and seven is worse. Do you see it? The entire created order that sustains the life of mankind is being dismantled and destroyed by the creator. Don't look at these trumpet judgment and miss what he's doing. He is taking everything that holds humanity together on planet Earth and plucking them up one at a time. One at a time. Why? Because you worship them and you wouldn't worship me. One-third of the sun. What would happen to the temperature here? One-third of the moon. What would happen to the ocean tides? What happens? What happens when you just start taking the, the, everything that holds this ball in space, in orbit, and in and, and temperature, and in gravity? What happens? And the stars... They all become dark. The day and the night have been reduced by one-third. A tremendous darkness has come upon the earth. What about growing food? No sunlight. Can you grow food? Can you grow things in the field without the sun? The Bible has revealed these judgments before. But there's a big difference. They were localized. This one covers the earth. Everywhere. Localized. Let me, get you, let me give you a localized example of this event. Exodus ten twenty one. The Lord said to Moses, "Lift your hand toward heaven, and the land of Egypt will be covered with a darkness so thick you can feel it." So Moses lifted his hand to the sky, and deep darkness covered the entire land of Egypt for three days. During all that time, the people could not see each other, and no one moved. But there was light as usual where the people of Israel lived in Goshen. He can separate the light like that. that It's dark over here and it's light over here. Yeah, he can. Now, that was localized. And it's obviously localized because they had light in Goshen and they had darkness in Egypt. So let me give you a prophecy from the book of Isaiah about the tribulation, which will be worldwide. So now Isaiah, what, 700 years before Christ, prophesies about an event that is still yet to come for our generation. For see, the day of the Lord is coming. A terrible day of His fury and fierce anger. The Lord, excuse me, the land will be made desolate and all the sinners destroyed with it. The heavens will be black above them. The stars will give no light. The sun will be dark when it rises, and the moon will provide no light. I, the Lord, will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their sin. I will crush the arrogance of the proud and humble the pride of the mighty. I will make people scarcer than gold, more rare than the fine gold of Ophir, for I will shake the heavens. The earth will move from its place when the Lord of heaven's armies displays his wrath in the day of his fierce anger. That's worldwide. That's not localized. That's Isaiah's prophecy of the tribulation that's yet to come. Ezekiel gives one too. A prophecy of the tribulation. Ezekiel said, when I blot you out, now I want you to do something. I read to you a moment ago, Zechariah 13, 8, where he says, two-thirds will be cut off and die. So I believe that's connected to this. When I blot you out, when I take out two-thirds of you, I will veil the heavens and darken the stars. I will cover the sun with a cloud and the moon will not give you its light. I will darken the bright stars overhead and cover your land in darkness. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. Can there be more terror on earth than this? So let's repeat verse 13. Let's read it again. And then I looked and I heard a single eagle crying loudly as it flew through the air. Terror, terror, terror to all who belong to this world. Now, in the middle of the three terrors, it's going to be easy to miss the next part, which is important. Terror to whom? Belong to this world. Don't do it. I preached a sermon here just a few weeks ago and the title was, don't do it, don't do it. Do not, do it do not 1st John, do not love this world or anything that it offers you. For if you do, the love of the Father is not in you. And if the love of the Father is not in you, then you belong to this world. And all of this is yours. It's your future. That's why I've repeatedly said, if you believed even this much of this story, you'd fall on your face before God. Yeah, you would. Don't tell me you wouldn't. Yes, you would. Don't do it. And there's three more trumpets coming. We're going to cover the fifth, sixth, and seventh trumpets next week. Give you a week to prepare yourself for terror, terror, terror. I think this would be a good time for us to stop and read Jesus' warning. And then I'm going to stop, and we're going to pray. And then I've got something I need to show you tonight. Remember what I said, this is a Wednesday, and he will die on a Friday. He has this circle around him, just 12 guys. And he says, he describes the events of his return in great detail. And then he says, Heaven and earth will disappear. Right? Can can you see it's happening piece by piece in the tribulation? My words will never disappear. So those words are describing how he dismantles creation. Heaven and earth are going to disappear. My words are going to tell you in advance how I'm going to do it. My words will never disappear. Watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. That's what it is to belong to this world. Don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap. For that day will come upon everyone living on the earth. That is a worldwide event. That day will come upon everyone living on the earth. It's not localized. That day will catch you unaware like a trap. Keep alert at all times. Every generation read this. Every generation read this. We have this distinct advantage over previous generations. What? Because in 1948, something happened that made all of this able to just be finished at any moment. In 1948, what? He says, my people will have to be back in the land. That whole statement Jesus makes, that you will not see me again until you say, Baruch Abba he announces to them after, as he's going to the cross, you will, he's getting ready to go to the cross. He says, do not weep for me. Don't weep for me. You're not going to see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the Lord. In, the Lord. in other words, you're going to see me again, but the next time you see me it, from Jerusalem, you will know who I am. You will not see me again until you cry out in Hebrew, Baruch haba Bashem Adonai. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You see, it's a prophecy. He's making a prophecy. The next time you see me, you'll see me in Jerusalem. And at the end of the tribulation, I'll be in Jerusalem. Remember that scroll in my hand? It's mine. It's all mine. Keep alert at all times. Pray. So everybody, I just want to stop just for a minute, and I want there's people in your heart right now that don't know Jesus. I want you to raise their name up. There's people I know that don't know Jesus. I'm going to pray their name, just just to myself, just to yourself. And maybe you're one of those people right now, you're still not sure. Maybe you're watching online tonight and you're not even sure. Pray that you'd be strong enough to escape these coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. Why don't you just pray that? <laughs> I think it would be a great idea. All right, everybody just stop and pray. In Jesus' name, amen. The first four trumpet warnings reveal God's wrath against those who refuse to acknowledge Him as Creator. Stay with me. Who refuse to acknowledge Him as Creator. Evolution. Evolution. Refuses to acknowledge Him as Creator. This tribulation wrath comes, why? They refuse to acknowledge Him as Creator. We're sending our kids to a public school that refuses to acknowledge Him as the Creator. Evolution leads to idolatry. It is idolatry. It is the worship of false gods. Everybody worships something. You can worship the creation or the Creator. Israel committed this horrible sin against God, forsaking the Creator. And following after idols. I preached about that this past Sunday. God recorded the idolatry and the falling away of Israel in a book called the Bible. So that we might not follow in their folly. But just like Israel, the world has fallen away and denied the Creator. Right now, today. The whole world the whole world is falling away and they've deny the creator it's idolatry thinking we could somehow survive without him this this sunday sermon that i preached was about this same topic and by, and by the way let me just say Jeremiah 2:11 that i'm about to read to you i preached this past sunday and i'll just tell you the same thing i said i never put those two together uh, god puts those two together i wrote both of these without putting them together Jeremiah two eleven. Has any nation ever traded its gods for new ones? Our nation has. Even though they are not gods at all, yet my people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. The heavens are shocked at such a thing and shrink back in horror and dismay, says the Lord. For my people have done two evil things. They've abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they've dug, dug for themselves crack cisterns that can never hold water at all the final truth is this the apostle Paul has already revealed the fact that the church will do the same thing as Israel in the last days before the rapture are you listening? the apostle Paul while I, I'm not going to be a part of it, I understand it has to happen do you understand that? some things have to happen they're going to happen I don't want to be a part of it. I'm going to be separate from it. I'm going to stand on the side. I'm not going to get caught up in it, but it's going to happen. What? The Apostle Paul has already announced in advance that the same thing that took down Israel will take down the nations. And what is it? The apostasy. It's just falling away from the Word of God and falling for the other word of the spirit of Antichrist. So I want to read this. 2 Timothy 2.1. Now, 2 Thessalonians, not Timothy. Now, dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and how we will be gathered to Him. Notice the two things. Jesus coming, how are we going to get to Him? Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. Don't believe them, even if they claim to have had a spiritual vision, a revelation, or a letter supposedly from us. Don't be fooled by what they say, for that day cannot come until something happens first. The great rebellion, the American Standard calls it an apostasy against God. And the man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, will be revealed. You're not going to stop the Antichrist, and you're not going to stop the rebellion. They're prophesied they're going to occur. Let me give you some advice. Just don't be a part of it. Just don't get into it. Stay away from it. The one, notice it says, the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings Destruction. What is the destruction? He brings the tribulation upon the earth. His arrival unlocks the tribulation. I've got some good news. We need some good news. 2 Peter 3.3 3. And this is something I didn't have originally that the Lord really pressed upon me this afternoon. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, and we're there. Scoffers will come mocking the truth. Here it is. Right? They deny this. Mocking the truth and following their own evil desires. We're there. They will say, these scoffers, these mockers, they will say, what happened to the promise Jesus is coming? Come on, preacher. Where's Jesus? What happened to the promise that he's coming? Surely he'd be here by now, right? From before the times of our ancestors. Everything, this is what scoffers are going to say. From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. They, these mockers, these scoffers, they deliberately forget what? You know what it says when they deliberately, they're doing it on purpose. They will forget on purpose what? Two things. Listen carefully. That God made the heavens by the word of his command. And brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. You know what that is, that description? That is a description of the six-day creation of of the universe. They deliberately forget what? That God created everything that has been made. But there's number two. So, these mockers, these scoffers in the last day, they got two things on their resume. They will deny creation itself. That's evolution. Verse six, here comes the second thing. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world in a mighty flood. They will deny creation and they will deny the flood of Noah. Two things. So let me ask you a question. You go to any major university on planet earth, will you be taught those two things? No. Why? That's why the tribulation's coming. You worship created things. And you deny the creator himself. They do, but you know what? He said, Peter said that those two things, that will be the resume of the mockers, right? So you can gain some comfort and say, well, he already knew. He already knew. They deny the flood, verse 7. And by the same word, the present heavens, that's us, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. Where we're living Heaven and earth are going to disappear. This present world that we have become so attached to, it is being stored up for fire. Do you understand? It's stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people are going to be destroyed. But you must not forget this. One thing, dear Lord, dear friends, this is what uh, I keep, I can't get out of this. 2000, 2000, 2000, thing, even when I try to. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise, as some people think. No, He's being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed. Somebody say, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God doesn't want anybody to die. That's why we're still preaching the word. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to what? Say the word, repent. He wants you to repent, turn around and face him. Turn around and face him, face him, face him, face his word. Turn your back and turn your face toward him. He doesn't want you to be destroyed. He wants everybody to repent, but I don't want to repent. Then you'll be destroyed. But the day Lord will come unexpectedly as a thief. And here comes the tribulation. And the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. And the very elements themselves will disappear in a fire and the earth and everything on it be found to deserve judgment. And since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live. Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. The only way you'd ever want to hurry this along is if you thought you were going to escape the coming horrors. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we, we're different people, right? We're looking forward to a new heavens and the new earth he has promised. A world filled with God's righteousness. And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, that's us, Make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in His sight. And remember, the Lord's patience gives us time. Gives time to be, people to be saved. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him. Speaking of these things in all of his letters. I read one a moment ago, Thessalonians. When he talks about the coming of the Antichrist. He's referring, to, he's referring, Peter's referring to Paul's letter. Speaking of these things in all of his letters, some of his comments are hard to understand. Those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted Paul's letters to mean something quite different, just as they do with other parts of the Scripture. And this will result in their destruction. So I told you, I can't get out of this 2,000, 2,000, 2,000. So what if, what if it's just simply this, God's got this plan where He's going to create this, He's going to recreate what He did in the beginning. That there will be six days and on the seventh day He will rest. And the first 2,000 was Adam to Abraham and there's blood sacrifices. Then Adam to Abraham to Jesus, there's 2,000, and now the Jewish people are going to reveal God to the world, the law of Moses, and Jesus comes, and now there's 2,000 again. And at the end of the 6,000, at the end of the sixth day, at the day of the Lord's like a thousand years, thousand years like a day, at the end of six days, then the Lord rested. And then what if that is a, just a picture of the millennial reign of Christ that will come after the tribulation when Jesus will come to the earth and there'll be peace on the earth and everything will rest. The animal kingdom will be uh, restored uh, that, that people will live as long as trees that the lion and the lamb, they all lay down together. Everything's at peace and he reigns on, with an iron scepter in Jerusalem. Now here comes why this happened this afternoon. Um, in Matthew one seventeen, I didn't put it in the text. Some of you all know it's the genealogy that describes Matthew one. So you're getting the genealogy of Jesus. But inside the genealogy, it says this, and there were fourteen generations from Adam from Abraham to David. 14 generations from David to the Babylonian exile, and 14 generations from the Babylonian exile to Jesus. 14, 14, 14. Well, isn't that a funny coincidence? It's like there's this plan, it's all been worked out in advance. 14, 14, 14. 2000, 2000, 2000. A day is like a thousand years. A thousand years is like a day. And just so happens in the revelation, he says, And all of you who overcome will reign with me for 1,000 years in a kingdom of absolute peace. Interesting. Jesus told us that his return would be like it was in the days of Noah and the days of Lot. This is in your notes, but this is new. Look at verse 26. When Jesus describes his return, he says something. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. Now, that's several places. He talks about Lincoln. What what was the problem in Noah's day? In Noah's day, he decided that, I'm sorry I ever made man. Uh, Every inclination of their heart was only evil all day long. So only evil. He could only find one righteous. There There were no Jewish people. There was no law of Moses. So righteousness was, had to be measured by a different standard than during the, the second 2,000 years of the law of Moses and this 2,000 years where we have the blood of Christ. So they found one righteous man. His name was Noah. But then something occurred to me. Just, I just saw this recently. In fact, I want to read it to you. I just kind of printed it out here. You can write it down, read it later, and you all know the story. You know it, but maybe you don't know it like this. In Genesis 6, verse 1, it says this. Jesus says, going to be like Noah, okay? And we think that it's a wretched world and it comes and brings judgment, right? And it is, so that's true. But there's something else. Then the people began to multiply on the earth. And the daughters, and daughters were born to them. The sons of God saw the beautiful women." So these are beings from heaven, angelic beings. The sons of God saw the beautiful women of the earth and they took any of them they wanted as wives. And then the Lord said, "'My spirit will not put up with humans for such a long time.'" Something has happened. This invasion from heaven Coming to be with women of the earth. He says, my spirit, will not, um, my spirit will not put up with humans for such a long time, for they are only mortal flesh. But now you've got this other flesh coming down with mortal flesh. In the future, their normal lifespan will be no more than 120 years. So he He shuts this thing down. Stay with me. Stay with me. In those days and for some time after, giant Nephilites, Nephilim. Now, there's a lot of mystery. and I'm not going into that, but I want you to listen. In that context, in those days, next verse. In those days and for some time after, giant Nephilites lived on the earth. For whenever, whenever the sons of God had intercourse with women... They gave birth to children who became the heroes and famous warriors of ancient times. Giants, superhuman people, right? And the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness. I don't think he's happy with this. He observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry that he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them, but Noah found favor with the Lord. Now, why do I read that? Jesus says it's going to be like that again. Here's why. How many of y'all have heard the phrase transhumanism? Me by myself. Huh? Y'all, nobody's heard the word transhumanism? A few of you have. And I know you're going to think I'm whacked out crazy, but you just go do some checking out, okay? What is transhumanism? There's these people that are really in prominent positions. Some of those people actually shocked me that they're in these positions. They are in these prominent positions and they are convinced in and of themselves, I'm not endorsing the idea, I'm just telling you the truth. There are these people who believe that they have the ability, the technology now, to transfer the consciousness of an individual, your life, in their words, into an object that cannot die and giving you transhumanism, eternal life. So what they're offering, this generation is offering that they have the ability to make you not die, not die. Now, why, why do I bring that up? Because what was, Jesus said it's going to be like it was in the days of Noah. In the time of Noah, there was this superhuman, maybe you don't have to die thing happening before the flood where angels were having relations with women and producing an offspring that who knows what their existence would have been. And he shuts them down to 120 years. Coincidence? Well, I'll just tell you. Jared Kushner, the son-in-law of Donald Trump, was interviewed saying this. Look it up. He's on the interview where he said that he's been doing a lot of exercising lately because he's trying to keep his body physically fit because he personally believed the technology is currently available that he will live in the generation that will no longer see death. Now, you think there's a lot of crazy things happening in the world? This idea of transhumanism, that your consciousness, will be able to be transferred into maybe a device or even a, a humanoid that you can live forever. I guess as long as you keep your batteries plugged in. <laughs> Somebody plug me in. I know some of you are thinking, this, this is nuts. No, it's not nuts. Why, why are they doing this? They deny the creator of life. So they want to create their own life I can, I can find a way to cheat death. Well, you can cheat death by the blood of the Lamb, but I don't want the blood of the Lamb. I want to do it myself. They become gods unto themselves. So the Son of Man, he said, it'll be like it was in the days of Noah. In those days, the people enjoyed, I'm going back to the text, banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat and flood came and destroyed them all. Well, there's one more part to the story. Here we go. And the world will be as it was in the days of Lot. People went about their daily business, eating and drinking, buying, selling, farming and building, until the morning that Lot left Sodom. Then fire and burning sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Yes, it will be business as usual right up to the day when the Son of Man is revealed. If you go back and read the story of Lot and the angels and Abraham and all that in Sodom on that day, You will find a word. That when the men of the city came to knock down Lot's door so they could have homosexual relations with the angels, the two angels in Lot's house, there is a word. The men and the children of the city came. There were children, it wasn't just the men. It had gone down to the children. The youth were also with them to knock down the door to access the angels, to pervert them. Jesus said it's going to be like that. That in the, from the children to the men, and if you take that scene and look at the conditions of Noah's time, absolute lawlessness, and people thinking they can cheat death that you won't die? Yes, it'll be business as usual right up to the day when the Son of Man comes. We need some really good news. Here it is. Noah and Lot were both taken by God to safety before it began to rain and before the fire fell from heaven. So when he says it'll be like it was in their day, what do you think that also means? Did Noah have to experience the flood? No. He he experienced the flood, but he was taken to safety while the flood came. What about Lot? The angels rushed him out before the judgment fail. The church, I believe, he asked us to pray a simple prayer. Pray that you would be like Noah and Lot, that before the judgment falls, you would be lifted out. For he alone can save us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I pray that we'd be strong enough to escape the judgment. And I pray that while we're waiting, like a watchman waits for the morning, like a watchman waits for the morning, while we're waiting, you'll find us faithful, sharing this good news, praying for those who are lost, not telling people the truth about that which is coming, not hiding but letting our light shine in this darkness, no matter what it costs. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all.